0: Welcome to Play It Back. I am Michael Aru, and this is the show where everything's TV and the points don't matter. If you listened to last week's episode, you know we were talking with Scott Stevens about the genre of noir. We actually are going to continue that exact same conversation this week. So if you have listened uh, to last week, you're good to go. If not, we encourage that you go back and listen to it, and you will continue. We literally start off here right where we left off with him last week so um we're just gonna drop you right back into it right now um go ahead no no no. i was gonna say so um the next show that i got into after that was an amc show called the killing yeah Um, oh yeah so the killing is a very very similar show like the, the people who ran the killing are just making Hard references to Twin Peaks. They they took out all the weirdness, though. Mm -hmm. So it takes place in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, There's no supernatural things like there is in um, Twin Peaks. And so the entire question of the killing is instead of who killed Laura Palmer, it's who killed Rosie Larson. Uh, This girl goes missing. Mm -hmm. And her body is found uh, later on in the first episode. And there's two detectives that are um, on the job trying to find her. And the big difference... so the the locale is very similar the tone is really similar and just that who killed this girl yeah well um, your two main characters uh, Joel Kinnaman uh, who's been in a lot of stuff the last couple mm-hmm. of years he was uh, in Robocop um, was. <laughs> which yeah. was not good and he was also in Suicide Squad which was not great yeah. um, for all intents and purposes yeah Um, But he plays Stephen Holder, who's a detective who's a former uh, undercover narcotics detective who has just come off of a real long undercover stint and is um, going through rehab because he's an addict because he got hooked on meth while he was undercover because because... Uh, Undercover narcos have to use drugs while they're undercover because people are going to think, Okay, why is this guy never using with us? Right. So he's working uh, with uh, Miriel Eno, who's Sarah Linden, and these two detectives that get put together who do not like each other and they disagree with each other on fundamentally everything, but they're trying to track down who killed Rosie Larson. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's a lot of political intrigue in it. It's, it's like I said, it's very dark. the, uh, the political intrigue coming into it is something that these other shows really haven't had before, yeah. uh, where the killing of Rosie Larson may be tied with, like, a mayoral election mm. and uh, some city council issues. But so it starts running into the same problem. Um, like I said, you're, you're noirs. You have this contained story where there's a murder or there's a theft or some type of crime, and you've got to catch the killer. Well, by the end of season two, they catch the killer. Yeah. Um, thankfully, since this is now – like we've talked about, the way we watch television has changed enough to where people are wanting to know more about what's happened because they were able yeah. to do some similar stuff to Twin okay, Peaks, where they kind of like lay like, okay, so we know who killed Rosie, but we know that the reason she died is connected to something much bigger. So what is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what's the reason? Which is which is kind of uh, a trope we see a lot in dramas. We're like, okay, we know what happened, but everything's so much bigger yeah, now, yeah. and so it expands out, and so it had it got a third season. AMC uh, approved it. For for a third season, third season has almost nothing to do with the Rosie Larson case um, because it's another case. There's like a missing girl, um, and so it's another type. Someone's gone missing, and season three ends with probably one of the most like tense and frustrating cliffhangers that mm-hmm. I've ever watched. Wow. And and it may be because I didn't watch it live. Yeah. I watched it after it ended up on Netflix, and I knew from the day I started it. This is the last season. I did not know it was a cliffhanger. I was under oh. the impression that they knew like okay, so the show's going to end so kind of wrap things up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But they so But the they show's don't. Over the, well, the, the show was over and it's a massive like uh, like somebody Jeez. shoots somebody. It's a, like a it's a who shot J.R. Dallas situation. Yeah. Um, but it's in the woods and it's at night. Mr. Burns. Mr. Burns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mr. Burns. Mr. Yeah. Um and it's and it's characters are yelling at each other about what's going on and someone pulls the trigger. Yeah. Mm. Black. Um, nice. and, it, and it's canceled. Sweet. And so it's one of those, like, just like all of us, we have these shows that get canceled. And you're like, man, if they could have just had one more season, have one more season. Netflix comes in and saves the day. Oh, that's cool. So Netflix, being the wonderful mm. um, <laughs> lords of television and media that they are, yeah. said, hey, we know this show had a huge following when it was airing on AMC. We know we have a lot of people streaming it. Showrunners of the Killing, you get four episodes. Wow. Wrap it up. That's awesome. 4 ni- I think they kind of did with the Gilmore Girls thing where it's like 4, four 90 minute episodes. Wrap it up. And they do. And they end the story. They they kind of um, resolve some of the issues, big questions from the first three seasons. And it's its own also self-contained story. So there's like a murder that goes down where a family is killed and the only person that survives is this kid who's at yeah. this elite boarding school. And did he mm-hmm. do it or did someone else do it? And the the story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And cool. it, and, and they were able to do that. And I really I, I like that now today we're getting uh, these streaming services that are giving shows the ability to do that. So we saw that yeah. with Twin Peaks. Where Showtime came in and said, "Hey, do you want to finish this?" Now, I think I'm not totally sure what I've read. I, it's kind of up in the air whether or not they're going to like do a single season and finish Twin Peaks, or are they going to keep going and maybe do like a couple of seasons and kind of like yeah. do some more story development. Or it's gonna be like the killing where Netflix says you get four episodes yeah, finish yeah, it. Yeah. Um and I like that. And I and I since they did that, I have like other shows where I think, like, man, they could have what else could Netflix do this with? Because Netflix is just pumping out all this phenomenal content. Yeah. Um, and they're getting to the point where I haven't been on Netflix in a couple, or I haven't like scrolled through my app in a couple days. And then last night I was looking at my watch list trying to find something to watch, and I just saw like brought to you by Netflix and like the Netflix logo on so many oh, wow. shows and oh, movies. Because yeah, uh, they're putting out almost more stuff than they're bringing in which is cheaper for them in the end but they're they're killing it I mean they're hitting it out of the park they've only had a couple of shows that I've watched and thought well it's okay if there's not another season of this yeah Hemlock Grove, but they got 3 of those. Yeah. I would say that I didn't mention it, that's not on my list. So Hemlock Grove is a show that has some noirish elements. It's yeah, funny that it you bring that does. up because it's really dark and it's got a lot of the the tone, uh the supernatural stuff kind of makes it its own little thing. Yeah. I I always felt like Hemlock Grove um was like all of the crappy stuff yes. from like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, exactly. which there's not a lot of crap cuz it's really great. Yeah. Um if anything other shows that have noir elements, I I don't think are good. Uh, Hemlock Grove because it's just bonkers. Yeah, it's it's too much. And and so like, there's a certain level so of weird. Yeah, you're like you're noir, like there's a weirdness to it. It's it's weird fiction, which yeah. is a thing. Um, yeah. where it's it, the it's like our world, but it's not. Yeah. Um, and they just take too much. Uh, other sh- another show that uh, I have a guilty pleasure show that I think has some noir that I tell people I watch it. I'm not proud that I've watched it, and I'm not up to date. That show is Supernatural. Oh okay, I've heard about it. It's garbage. Yeah, <laughs> and if anyone listens and they get mad about it, that's fine because yeah. it has some very rabid fans. It's garbage. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's but one of those things. It. But I watched it. I watched seven seasons of it. Oh yeah. my god! Um, and it's and it's very <laughs> so self-referential and aware that it's garbage. Yeah. Where there's an episode of the show where they do this meta thing where they get pulled into another dimension that's ours, where they're filming a show called oh Supernatural. My gosh. And yeah, no, they don't. Yeah, they do that. And then there's uh, a character <laughs> who's who's called like the Prophet or something. And and he's like writing a series of novels that are just their life, and it's everything that happens. There's a lot of great people in it though. Jeffrey Dean Morgan's in it, and he's yeah. awesome. And but it has a lot of like these like noir like detective. I mean you see some noir stuff in like X Files, which is a wonderful show. Yeah. yeah. Um, but kind of its own like supernatural stuff kind of pulls it towards more towards that type of thing. Um, but then the last show, the the most recent noir show that I watched, yeah. Um, uh, it's True Detective okay. season one. Uh, I, I have not finished season two. Yeah, I haven't Because uh, <laughs> how far did it. how far did you get into Four it? Four episodes. That's I made it about five. Yeah. Um. A lot so we interest. won't so we won't talk about season two. Yeah, we um I had a season lot of season one is so. perfect and it and it is I think true detective season one stands as the best example of what noir television can be. That's because cool. they knew going into it, this if, if if this is gonna be a series, it's an anthology. So we're gonna yeah. do eight episodes. That's it eight hour long episodes beginning middle end we're gonna wrap up what we need to wrap up mm-hmm. and anything that's left hanging it's supposed to yeah. it's like reading yeah. a novel not you everything gets backed up edge. you Walking still feel good it. you have you seen it yeah you've seen it it's okay so man it's I so I've it's probably the show that I right now talk about with more people than any other show that's like already finished yeah um, there's like ongoing shows that I talk about but it's the one that I'm always suggesting to people if I find out that someone has an HBO account, and they haven't watched True Detective. I'm just you just you go watch to, it. No. Take a Saturday. Yeah. Um watch all eight episodes. Ruin your day cuz yeah. it's cuz it's <laughs> it is real dark. And yeah, I think what hard. sets uh True Detective apart from all the other ones is they've all been mainly network television. Yeah, yeah, uh they've yeah, been yeah. on ABC or they've been on AMC or even BBC, which is a little bit different cuz they get away with some stuff that we don't get away with with American television. Yeah. The fact that it was on HBO they're allowed to go places that other shows are not allowed to go. Yeah. And the thing I was talking about earlier with commercial breaks, there's no commercials. There's so every episode is like 51 minutes long. Yep. And from the opening credits, you get no breaks. It, it is just turned up all the way the entire show. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We've now like kind of freaked out about True Detective. I assume that there's people who might listen to this who don't know about it. Yeah. Um, so True Detective, yeah. like I said, is an anthology show. Uh, the first season takes place in semi-rural Louisiana. Uh-huh. Uh, it it uh-huh. begins in the 90s and kind of – there's a, a pretty large time gap that the show covers. It begins in the early 90s and ends, I think, in 2012 Yeah, is, I think, when, like, the present-day stuff is happening. Yeah. And so it's following these two state police detectives, uh, Russ Cole and Marty Hart, played by the wonderful Matthew McConaughey <laughs> and Woody Harrelson, who – I had never seen either one of them do a long-form thing, and I think that's what's nice about it is when you're watching it, it's extremely cinematic, and it's like watching eight movies. You're able to develop eight hours' worth of content for something that – when you start describing the show, it sounds like you're talking about a movie you'd go see. But so um, when the show begins – the stuff that's happening in the past in the 90s, a body is found in a sugarcane field uh, off of, uh, uh, I think it's its not off the interstate. That's not really important. Um, but it's off of a highway in rural Louisiana. There's been like a large circle burnt into the sugarcane, and there's a tree in the middle. And this body is found uh, naked and bound uh, and partially scarred up and dead and bloated like tied to the base of this tree yeah. uh, the the woman it's a woman whose body is found and she has this crown with antlers on it mm-hmm. on her head and there's these little wooden uh, piles of like woods and sticks that are tied together with like strands of rope but, like, and twine other no, little pyramid things yeah. little totems that are scattered around and state police gets called in because it's an interstate crime because of how close they are to like the Texas border and how it's close to the bayou and stuff and so they're trying to figure out who killed this woman and as things begin to develop just like like it's been for all these things get much <laughs> bigger gets, yeah, and yeah. there's some serious intrigue in it. And, I, and yeah. I think part of the reason I'm drawn towards this show more than all the other ones, I've loved all three of the other shows. True Detective is my favorite one. Yeah. Because um, it, it kind of hits close to home. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think the scenery, so West rural West Texas is not scenery anything like um, rural Louisiana, especially down near the bayou. Uh, But there's a certain bit of that world that when you get outside of Abilene is really, really relatable. Um, So for my job, I I mainly work here in Abilene. I work for a nonprofit that's a domestic violence shelter here in Abilene. I do educational initiatives in schools. I, I talk to students about healthy relationships and family violence. And I do a lot of that right here in Abilene. Most of the schools I work in are the middle schools in Abilene, Texas. I work in a couple of towns outside of Abilene, um, and it's Abilene's kind of uh, like a wagon wheel type situation where you have this larger town of 120,000 people right here in the middle, and then you have these spoke villages going Mm -hmm. all the way around it, including some of these towns that are county seats, but they have less than 1,000 people in them. Um, And when you get out into some of um, the darker rural parts of West Texas outside of Abilene, there's a lot of fears that people have that are very similar to the types of um, mythological fears that people have in True Detective. A lot of the the Bayou characters that they interact with in the show are some of the people that I interact with in schools and in towns every single day. And the fear of like people going missing and, and girls feeling like uh, there's oh, a big point in the show is that there's these women who are being trafficked through an area, right. um, yeah. forced prostitution. And um, that's like a fear that some people in small towns outside of Abilene have right. that um, these girls go missing or these people just show up and no one knows where they came from. What are they doing here? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's just this relatable rural darkness. That you see in True Detective, but what I love about it is so you've got this wonderful setting that it's picturesque. I mean, there are so many shots in that show that are like looking at a painting. Um, whoever whoever did the cinematography and and, the, and worked the camera did it's a incredible, wonderful yeah. job. The mm-hmm. the production quality is top top notch. But these two characters are so fascinating. Mm-hmm. So um, Russ Cole, Matthew McConaughey's character is. I would say the weirder of the two of them. Yeah, um, for sure. <laughs> I, and, and and what's nice about the show, it's very philosophical, and and um, Nick of the showrunner, has done his reading, and he's yeah. done his research. He wrote a novel that I have not gotten around that to read. Cool. It's called Galveston, and, it, and when I read the description, it sounds very similar to, like, True Detective-type things. Cool. But... Um, Russ Cole, he's, he's a nihilist. That's all he is. Yeah. Um, he's this detective who sees no real meaning in life. He's a former narco who had spent long-term undercover stuff. And the reason he came to work in Louisiana is he came off of, like, I think in the show it's like like – nine months or something like that oh, okay. a really long multi-month stint working undercover doing drug stuff and it almost broke him and he had to go to like a mental institution yeah, for yeah, a yeah, while yeah so he has to be transferred to louisiana just <clears throat> to do state police stuff and then he's just getting pulled right back into this like yeah. same dark gritty world um and then and he i think is a great definition of like your anti-hero character mm-hmm. yeah, where yeah. he's not perfect uh, right. he makes some Questionable decisions uh, throughout the show, but I think he's the one that, of the two of them, uh, I think is most likely to make like the right decision sometimes. Uh-huh. But even then, though, like he's not a great guy, and he has his he has his problems, and he has his his rough points. And then his partner is Marty Hart, played by Woody Harrelson, who um, I think you can call as like the bad cop. Like yeah. if they're going to do a good cop bad cop routine, I think Woody Harrelson would be the bad cop. He's yeah. the one that. Does not seem to want to put up. With. Yes, um, yes. Matthew McConaughey's character, like we've said, is very weird. He just says the weirdest stuff. There's, there's a point in the show where they're sitting in a car and uh, Woody Harrelson asks Matthew McConaughey, he's "Like, did you get a lot of sleep last night? You look tired." And I don't know if you remember this. Matthew McConaughey goes, "I don't sleep. I just dream." Yeah. <laughs> And there, and he just turns like, and he looked. Say, he's like, "Why, why do you, like why that? do you say stuff like that?" Yeah. <laughs> That's their relationship in a nutshell. That's where you, strange. you've got Matthew McConaughey saying some pretty profound stuff, and then, like most people, Woody Harrelson's like, "Why are you yeah. saying?" Yeah, Woody Harrelson's the the. Like, he's the he's everyman. The he's yeah, your yeah. everyman, yeah, yeah, and yeah, he's yeah. like, "No one talks like you. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you talk like that?" But. Th- but he, he's a really complicated character. he He's also a great anti-hero because he's not perfect. Um, he's got some marital problems that run through the entire length of the uh-huh. show. Um, he deals with some infidelity issues, and his wife catches him, and, and that comes in, and and Matthew McConaughey gets roped into all this stuff. Um, but thinking about like production quality and the, and the darkness that you see, there's a scene, it's about halfway through the show, um, it's where uh, Russ goes undercover to try to talk to these guys these meth dealers to try to figure out like something that's going on. Can't really give much detail, but they end up, they're going to go steal some drugs from uh, these other drug dealers Mm -hmm. over in Texas. So they're going to cross the border into Texas and they're going to go. I can't remember what town it's in. I it was uh, Beaumont. It's Beaumont, yeah. yeah. They're gonna go into a housing project in Beaumont, oh, and they're gonna yeah. like break into this it's house. The best scene. Okay, so I don't know if you knew this. That entire scene is a continuous yeah, shot. It's, one shot. One it, shot. It, it's wow. like twelve minutes. That's steady awesome. Steady cam where it. You follow him through the. Neighborhood, yeah, they they so, fall. They go yeah. through this neighborhood and they press go and. Talk about white knuckle. Seriously. I don't it's think awesome. I've seen another show that does something. I mean, just from like a production standpoint, I love shows and movies that do long continuous takes because yeah. they're incredibly difficult. Um, I have the Blu-ray. I need to see if on the special features they talk about it. But I don't know how many takes that took. Yeah. But you, knows. it's one of those things where like they Explosions specifically, and yeah. Fire and I don't know what happens if someone messes up, right up and you have to like reset. Okay, everybody, go, everybody back, and go and back, reset yeah. the charges, and yeah, we yeah. we have so many hours before the sun comes up. Yeah. yeah um, yeah. but it, it's one of those things where. You know when you're watching as a viewer, you can tell when something's a long, continuous take. And I I think it's really interesting from a viewing standpoint because those long, continuous takes, you just want them to end. As cool (laughs) as it is and as exciting, you know how tense it is because the camera's not cutting away. And you're just like waiting. Okay, can it stop now? Can it stop now? And especially with that, I mean, it's one of those – you see it more with movies. I can't think of a lot of shows that do it. I know um, 12 Years a Slave has a really long, continuous take. Birdman did it. Birdman oh, has a really yeah, yeah, Birdman has a lot of them. Yeah. Um not as many as you think though. They did some really interesting editing stuff with Birdman. that makes it look like it. There's also um Hunger is this movie with Michael Fassbender yeah. that's got this like 13-minute dialogue that they only filmed 3 times. Yeah, but even then yeah, that's yeah. A, that's almost an hour of shooting. Yeah. Um but but so you've got these these really really long takes and I, and I think what's great about it is uh, they pull in this whole mythos mm-hmm. and it's not super developed. It, it's right. one of those things that when you're watching it, um you there's like you have all these questions like so there's all these um, crazy occult things going on. there's some voodoo practices going on that are tied to these killings that are happening and you can't ever really figure out why are these people doing this. And even at the end of it, I mean, I've watched through the show four times now and, I've like paused just to like look at stuff that's going on in the background, and I still can't figure stuff out. Yeah, that's. Um, It's one of those shows where if if you want to really dig into something and something that has a lot of rewatch value, it's a great example of that. Because uh, if y'all watched it only the one time, yeah, I've watched it three times. Okay, yeah. So yeah, you know what I'm talking about. It's something there. Every time you it's it sounds so stereotypical, but every time you watch it, there's other things that you notice. Um, There's people could. Right. Pages and pages and pages on just that season. Yeah. Um, but it's the best example of how this can work well. Um, Nick Pizzolatto wrote... At least the first season. At least the first season. Yeah. But it all, you run the risk of why things don't work. So like thinking yeah. about the second season, none of us have finished it. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's a reason to that. And think about now... It's 2016. It's almost 2017. You can stream anything you want. You can watch it at your leisure. You don't have to wait once a week. If a show gets frustrating, you don't have to feel like, oh man, I've put. I'm not tied to. I've it. put yeah. six weeks into this show. <laughs> yeah. No, you can. I mean, the the five episodes of season two, I watched those in a day. Yeah. And I gave up on it. And it wasn't one of those like oh this is too dark, I can't handle this anymore. It's just garbage. Yeah, just not into <laughs> um, it at all. They they have this they have this phenomenal cast. Yeah. Um with some people who have done like a lot of other stuff that are really great. Uh the guy who played did you guys watch Friday Night Lights? Yeah. Tim Riggins is in that yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's her name? M- M- Rachel McAdams. Rachel yeah, Rachel McAdams. Cool. And, They're both great. And, and uh Colin Farrell. Cool. Colin Farrell, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And see, it's one of those like when I when I was watching it, I liked all those characters. Yeah. It's just this. Oh, and uh, um, what's his name? Really tall guy. Who was in Jurassic Park two? Um, who plays like the mob boss guy? Uh, I know what you're talking about. I, I haven't actually. watched it enough. Yeah, Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn, Vaughn tall oh, guy. Yeah, 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 Vince Vaughn. Um, tall guy, Vince Vaughn. Really? Um, <laughs> yeah, tall guy, Vince Vaughn. <laughs> all your characters are really cool, but the, the story is just doesn't work. it doesn't work. Yeah. And and I think when trying to compare like what worked from season one and what drove all of us to not finish season two, um, I think maybe you had too many major characters. Exactly. So like with Twin Peaks, you have a lot of characters, but they're all very weird. And it's not so dark that you can keep up with all of them. Yeah. Um, a lot of them are really, really quirky. There, there's yeah. a woman in Twin Peaks named Nadine who has an eye patch. Um, and halfway through, uh, midway through first the second season, She suffers a traumatic brain injury Mm. and flashes back and thinks she's a high school student again. And it's just this running thing for the whole show. And she also has, like, extraordinary strength where she's, like, really, really strong. And that never gets explained. Yeah. And so you have all this weird stuff, and it kind of acts as, like, a foil to some of the darker elements that are going on in the show. Season two of True Detective, you've got, we just listened off four major characters yes. that all have like their own plot lines. And, and it's one of those screen time. major yeah. screen time and a lot of side stuff going on. And you know, like there's only eight episodes of this. We can't really. We can't waste our time. I can't waste time on yeah. these characters. That's that what's nice sense. about the first season. You have your two. All of your side characters are important, but yeah. they don't take up necessita- yeah, necessary yeah. like story development time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's and maybe, good. Yeah, and maybe just Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson are just like this dynamic they duo. Great. I watched them and it's one of those after I finished the first time, I was like, "Man, if those two could just like start doing some buddy movies Seriously? together." <laughs> I would and they're both yeah. native Texans, it could just yeah, be like right. this thing. But not like cool. so season two kind of dragged, but maybe they make a season three at some point and it's and, awesome. Yeah, and I mean, I've re- read And I've read that Nick Pizzolatto has, has been open to doing another season. Yeah. And I think like HBO watchers especially are, are attuned to these types of things. I mean right. the night before was wonderful. Yeah. I, I haven't yeah, finished yeah. it yet, but it's, it's the, like, night oh, the, night the night of the night of, not, of, not yeah. the night before. Not night of is really great and it's kind of a similar type of tone. Right. And so these things can work. And if if he decides to take another season, I think it could be a real, really cool redemption thing. And it may be if they keep going with it. True Detective turns into like an American Horror Story thing, where people have their like favorite seasons, yeah. right, where they're standalone. Like right. some seasons, some people don't really like all that much. Yeah. And then other seasons, people are like, yeah, that one killed it. That was yeah. awesome. But that's cool. my TV noir stuff. That's yeah, that's that what is, I love. Those are awesome. the things I love to watch. I'm always looking for more. Uh, yeah. With the sad reality that there's not a ton of them going around. Yeah. I, I used to. Um, probably watch more police procedural type stuff uh, because it would kind of like scratch that itch. But as more like high quality content has come out, they really don't do it for me anymore. I can't really like watch season one of True Detective and then go back and watch like SVU. Even though it's super fun, it's just not the same thing. Right. Well, great. That's good. That's great. I, I'm happy we talked about it. Yeah, definitely. As always, I'm motivated to go watch uh, Twin Peaks now that you. Please do. About it. Seriously, it's um, weird. It's gonna take you some time, but it's it's well worth the the delivery yeah. in the long run. Yeah, good. Scott, thanks so much for coming. Thanks, thanks for, for having me. It was, it was awesome. This was really, cool. really great conversation. Thank you. Happy to cool. happy to talk with There's you. There's not a lot of people, in my opinion, that like really understand a genre and like can can digest it and. Mm -hmm. dissect it like you do so it's really cool to it's i mean it's something i've like i've put some time into and it's some it's a it's a a genre that both in like old movies you see a lot in old black and white movies Uh, it's a really great thing in old detective movies uh some like pulp movies from back in the day and then it's like some novels you see a lot of it it's it's a genre that i think is really staying alive with books now and even like video games in some weird ways no like l.a. noir is yeah exactly yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's cool well thanks a bunch, man this is great good stuff thank you Thanks for coming. All right. We'll uh, be back next week with a new guest. That's right. Thanks, everyone. Surprise. This episode was recorded and produced by us, Michael LaRue and Jared Anderson. All the music you heard on this episode is from the Banksy of Music Breakmaster Cylinder. You can follow me, Michael, at Twitter and on Instagram at Michael LaRue with one L, M I C H A E L E R O U X. You can follow me on Twitter at Old Big Bear, O L B I G B E A R. You can follow our show on Twitter at Play It Back Pod and on Instagram at Play It Back Podcast. If you enjoy our show, make sure to review and rate us on iTunes. It helps boost our show and promote us to others. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in next week, same time, same station.